Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Creation Innovation. Today we are talking to Dr. Nicole Rankins. She is a Duke University trained board certified practicing OBGYN and mom of two who empowers first time moms to have a beautiful birth experience, have the beautiful birth, birth experience they deserve. Her over 20 year career, she has helped more than a thousand babies into, come into this world and is proud HBCU grad, Spelman College in North Carolina, A&T State University. Welcome, Dr. Nicole. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. That is quite a resume, and I'm sure only a fraction of it. So um, <laughs> congratulations and good for you. Thank you. Uh, so birth plans. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people kind of put it out there. It's almost kind of like a trending topic when, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking to somebody who's their bump is getting bigger and they're getting right. closer to their end of date. Why do we feel that it is such an important topic of conversation for so many? Yeah. So it's a obviously an incredibly meaningful and important part of your life to bring a child into this world. And it's perfectly normal and natural to have desires about how you want that experience to go. So perfectly you know, normal to say, these are the things that I want and how can I get that? And then on the another note, it's also, we know that women are giving birth in a system that has problems in the U.S., unfortunately. It's a system that can too often take a patriarchal approach to birth. It can try and take away power from women over what happens in their own bodies. It can also be racist. So when you are giving birth in that system and you hear those stories about people having problems, that also makes you want to um, do the things that you can do in order to ensure that you have the best birth experience experience that you can. Absolutely. So you touched on so many things right there that (laughs) are great topics to cover. And I think that lead to advocating for yourself, right? So I feel like, and you can correct me from where you stand and what you do on your day to day, but I do feel like there's this new collective consciousness, awareness of younger doctors that are coming in that are kind of changing that kind of old school thought process of it's no longer kind of this is how we've always done it and this is the way of the world. And there's this this newness of people being open to different ways of thinking. Do you see that from your perspective or is it still trying to like chip away at that? I don't even want to say it out loud, but... Yeah, it's still a little bit of both, I'll say. So there's definitely, whenever I speak about these things, I want to be clear that it's not every place or every hospital or every doctor that's a problem, but there still are far too many. And I would say it's not even necessarily about uh, young doctors versus doctors who've been in practice more. There's certainly doctors, obviously I've been in practice a long time, who, who practice similarly to the way that I do. There are also younger doctors who don't practice the way sure. that I do. It's more about the 
culture of where people are trained and where they learned how to be an OBGYN and then where they practice. Okay. So it really depends on the culture of the residency program. It depends on the culture of the hospital where they end up going. It depends on the culture of the practice where they end up going. Now, I do think that younger folks are more exposed because of social media that they see that other options and things exist, and they are a lot more willing to speak up or wanting to speak up about things and make changes, but it really is dependent. And because of that, you really have to do your own homework to make sure that you're finding someone who is in alignment with the things that are important to you. And having had three children my own, delivered three different by three different doctors, not necessarily because they were not good, but just what had kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Do you, in order to find those doctors that are in alignment with you before you go down that road, are there certain questions that somebody should be asking to know like, oh, okay, like I'm clued into they – you know, are on the same page that I am, or they may yeah. not be, or one time you think that their answer is, okay, they, they get me and they're open to what I want to do. And then later on, they're like, nope, that's not okay. Yeah, so how do you absolutely. kind of navigate that? Sure, sure. Uh, this is one of the things that I, I talk about a lot. I have a couple of podcast episodes on it. But one thing is realize that whoever was your doctor when you were not pregnant, so your gynecologist who was doing your pap smears and checkups may not necessarily be the same person who's right for you during your prenatal care. So that's step one is to understand that you you may not necessarily just keep that same person or they may be right for you because they can have a totally different approach to obstetrics. So number one is keep an open mind to potentially choosing a, a different provider if you need to. Then number two, if you think you want an unmedicated birth, and sometimes you don't know, but people tend to have like some idea, maybe I want unmedicated, maybe I want lower intervention, maybe I want more uh, techniques and to try things that are not medication-based or a little bit, I don't want to say different, but not so heavy on interventions, then that's something that you want to ask about. Definitely ask friends uh, for their recommendations, particularly if you all have similar personalities. And then other things that I think are really important that I think people don't think about are what happens in emergencies? What happens if I have questions about things? (laughs) What kind of um, contact can I expect from people? from the office or, or the doctor. And then really for sure, definitely go on your gut instinct. When you meet this person, what is your gut telling you about how you feel? Are you being respected? Are they answering your questions? Are they being rude or dismissive? Um, are they brushing you off about things? Definitely take all of those things into account and make sure you feel good about the person uh, who's taking care of you. I think that is such great advice because you tend to get so much in your head when you're especially a first-time mom, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I don't even know what's coming down the pipe of <laughs> – you don't know what you don't know, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. No matter how much your friends can tell you or whatnot, it's still such a big unknown. Sure. And I think you have this idea of maybe what you've heard or what you've seen – but yet maybe there's another story you've heard or seen that is not so good. So that's kind of in your subconscious mind of like, Mm -hmm. oh God, what if that happens to me? Mm -hmm. And being in the fertility sector, I see a lot of women that come once they get pregnant, 
you know, that first initial 12 weeks is hypersensitive and they're getting pushed off from their fertility doctor to the OB. And that's a scary thing to graduate from that office to the next. And what if they don't understand the anxiety that I have around Mm -hmm. all of this stuff? And I think it always comes back to that too. Make sure that you feel seen and heard and your gut intuition is they understand to the best of their knowledge, what it is that you're going through. Because I hear all the time, they brush me off. They don't spend any time with me. They won't do an extra Doppler. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm nervous because of whatever reason, Mm -hmm. right? And it is no matter what, whether you've gone through fertility or you get pregnant naturally easy on your own, it's very sensitive. And I think people don't really grasp the the gravity of having a baby. It's a big mm-hmm. deal. There's a reason that- It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. People used to die so frequently mm-hmm. during childbirth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. why it's so important to have prenatal care and all of those things. So can you touch on that a little bit of for somebody who maybe, you know, it's easy and they've gone through it and, you know, they think, oh, maybe I'll just check in with a midwife somewhere down the line, but I'm fine and everything is fine. I'm healthy and whatnot. Why is it so important that we do have that care throughout pregnancy? Yeah. So there are two things here and kind of piggybacking on what you said. You may not know what to expect as a first time mom, but you certainly know your own body. You know how you feel. You know the things that are important to you. You will always be the best expert on you. However, (laughs) there are also experts in pregnancy and birth, and that is what midwives are. That is what physicians are. We have the knowledge and the training and the expertise and the experience to know the potential problems that arise, to know the things to be on the lookout for to know how to manage those twists and turns and that unpredictability of pregnancy and birth that can come up. So prenatal care has been shown to improve outcomes. It was actually initially started to help uh, with preeclampsia. Preeclampsia is when you develop high blood pressure during pregnancy and because it can develop at any time, tends to be towards the end. That's how prenatal care really got started was to try and detect preeclampsia. But we know that now it looks for lots of other things. It looks for diabetes. It looks for whether or not the baby's growing appropriately. So that's why prenatal care is important. Now, you always have a choice and a say in the things that happen to you, but you want to do it from an informed place and you want to do it with someone who's helping you make the best decisions for yourself as opposed to telling you what to do. So that match together of you bringing your expertise and then someone who's using their expertise to help empower you, that's going to be the best combination to have a great outcome and experience. Absolutely. And also just women's wellness in general. It's such a important part of what I advocate all the time from all different areas. I didn't have my first baby till I was over 41, but you know, in the meantime, you know, annual checks, all the things mm-hmm. that are super important in order to when you eventually may want to have a baby to exactly. make sure that all of those things are in place as well. So I think sometimes People dismiss, oh, I don't need to go do an annual check or I don't need to do a breast exam or a mammogram until I have a problem. Can you touch on both of those real quick too for anybody who's listening from that perspective? Ideally, you want to go into your pregnancy as healthy as possible. And you're not going to know that unless you've gone to be checked. And there's also something 
um, affirming, something that brings more peace, less stress. When you do get checked out and you can get someone to co-sign or check off all the things and say, yeah, your blood pressure looks good, your blood sugar looks good, your thyroid is in good shape, and you know that you're going into your pregnancy in the healthiest state. Now, it's true that we can't prevent a lot of conditions from, from occurring, and there are lots of things in lots of areas where we still need to research things, but there definitely are some things that we can look out for. Those big ones, like I just said, thyroid, blood pressure. Um, oh, also your weight is another one to try to get that in the most optimal shape as possible. Those are all things that are going to help you have a healthier, healthier pregnancy. Awesome. And so back to the birth plan. So mm -hmm. I, we hear all the time, well, I had this plan and it didn't go that direction. How often do you see that? Do we just hear that a lot? And it doesn't really happen. Or if you had to put a number of percentage of in your own experience, does it generally go as planned or does it generally not go as planned? Yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, a plan, I, I'm going to say it goes as planned. And that's because plans change. <laughs> so <laughs> the only predictable thing about birth is that it's unpredictable. And it actually We cannot. should probably put that in bold letters for everyone. Yes. Yes. So I, I say birth plan because that's what we commonly say. But the first thing I'll say is like, we need to rethink plan because we can't plan birth. So it's really about preferences and the things that are important to you. So I would say that most often when people are happy and satisfied with their birth experience, meaning that it would according to plan, it's that they felt involved in the decision-making process. They felt like they were a part of things and they were able to contribute to things. Things, and they felt like they were respected and listened to, and they were able to make choices um, that worked best for them. Yeah. I think a lot of times it really comes down to you being healthy, the mama being healthy, and the baby getting out healthy, right? Like at some point at the end of the day, it all comes down to that. And it really- It, it does. It does. And that, but that will, I will say though, that is the absolute floor of what we can do. Like that's the basic minimum that everyone should have is that mom is physically healthy, baby's physically healthy. And you know, you come out of this thing alive and too often in our system that is held up as the, the top of what we should only do and care about. And that's not true because there's so much emotionally involved in this as well. So it, it's really important that you also feel good about the experience, that you feel like you were involved in the experience. Again, it means a lot to feel like you were respected and you had choices about what happened to you and you had control over the things that you can control. So yes, Definitely healthy mom, healthy baby, but that is the absolute like baseline floor of what everyone should have. And we can do a lot better than that. And how do you guys deal with the anxiety of patients coming in who I, I'm just thinking of my own experience, mm -hmm. second baby, because my first, I had a plan C section for everyone. I had a uh, fibroid surgery prior to my first baby mm -hmm. very quickly. So I, they, uh, said that it wasn't probably safe for me to do a vaginal sure. birth. So I had a scheduled C-section and it just wasn't good on all kind of fronts. So going mm. into my second planned C-section, I had so much anxiety. The poor nursing staff and whatever. I mean, I wasn't like hysterically crying, but I was – my heart was out of my chest. I felt sure. like I was going to throw up. I sure. was like heavy breathing. You know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of things, placenta previa. So we had the the – 
blood transfusion bags mm-hmm. ready to go and right. all, you know, right. there was a lot right. of things happening. And I felt, you know, in that moment also, these poor people are just trying to do their job, you know, and I'm like losing my mind mm-hmm. because I'm so <laughs> nervous. Right. So how do you guys, from your perspective, do you just kind of block it out from the patient's perspective of like, okay, let them do what they need to do to work through this? Or does, like, how do you work? I'm Because I'm sure yeah. I'm probably more calm than some, but I felt like it would for number two and number three, I was like, it, it wasn't fun for me going into those situations. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And actually what I find works best is that we have to acknowledge it as healthcare providers. Like I can see that you're anxious. I can see that things are um, difficult. What can we do to help you? What is contributing to this? Is there anything that we can say or do that'll help you feel more comfortable? So I believe that we have to acknowledge it because then that helps to normalize it and say like, well, yeah, no, yeah, of course you're nervous because it didn't go right the first time. And, you know, you have the preview and we've talked about all this bleeding and things like that. So definitely acknowledge it, normalize it and make people not feel like there's something wrong with them because they're, they're feeling, feeling this way. And that just really come from a place of we want to help you have the best experience possible. Not that we can make everything perfect, but what can we do in order to help alleviate some of those things? Yeah. I think also just a voice from the, from the patient perspective, I think voicing how you're feeling, right? Even though I work in mental health, I'm so Mm -hmm. focused on like this, that's their job. They're here to do their job. And this is my job. And, you know, I want them to stay focused on that rather than me. But really, I probably should have said, like, I need help. I need, you know, I'm not feeling really well about this. And I think the more that you feel comfortable to speak your truth in those moments, it helps the people around you to support you just as human beings, right? Right, exactly. If somebody is telling me I'm not feeling good, I want to automatically give them a hug and tell them it's going to be okay, yes. regardless yes. of what role I play in this yes. whole scenario. Yes. And this is where a birth plan can come into play or your preferences, because these are things that you're going to talk about well, or I recommend that you talk about when making a birth plan well before you get to the hospital. So when I say a birth plan, I'm not saying print out one of those forms you see online <laughs> and then bring it with you to the hospital. Hospital at the time of your birth, that is not going to cut it. You really need to talk about it during your prenatal visits so that you're prepared well before you get to the hospital and you know what to expect. Nothing is a surprise. Handing over that piece of paper is really just the final piece. You've already discussed these things when it's less stressful. So for instance, if you know you're having, you know, just to use you as an example um, or someone in that situation, then you say, hey, look, my first C-section was awful. It was traumatic. I'm scared, you know, and you want to try and talk about those things and feel empowered, like you said, to bring those things up. And another reason why it's important to bring it up during the prenatal period is that if you bring it up and then someone is dismissive, I don't understand, you know, I mean, we'll do whatever we can. That's an opportunity for you to leave and go find someone else who is more supportive. So birth plan is more than just about making your preferences. It's about knowing that the the doctor or the practice and the hospital where you give birth are supportive of the things that are important to you. Right. I feel like so much of it leads up to that game day, right? Of mm-hmm. like this big moment. <laughs> and for all the healthcare providers, this is just another day in the office for them, right? And this 100%. is our Super Bowl day yes. of like, yes. this yes. is it. Yes. And so it's kind of bridging that gap of understanding that 
you are a trained professional. You've delivered thousands of babies. This is not your first rodeo. You know exactly what you're doing. This is what you are trained for Mm -hmm. versus our perspective of, excuse my language, but oh shit, I hope it all goes well. Right, right, right. And praying to everything that you could possibly pray to, to to make sure that everybody gets out safe and everybody's good and feels fine afterward. Mm -hmm. And I think just Again, the more we can communicate through, as you said, that that pre-period as well. I know I am also a bereavement doula, so I work a lot with late-term losses and things like mm-hmm. that, and I've had losses myself. So that was going into it was really important for me with the doctor that I worked with for them to say, yes, it's okay if you want to come in for some additional Doppler readings because sure. I know you're highly sensitive to that. Right, right, exactly. Everybody has their own thing of what they may or may not need. And I think Mm -hmm. just communicating and over-communicating, and sometimes I'm sure it can be not so pleasant for your offices to deal with those (laughs) high-maintenance patients. But I guess the the good news is, is you know it doesn't usually go past 42 weeks, so then they'll be off your your docket for a while, hopefully. (laughs) But, I, you know, everybody has their thing to a degree, right? Yeah, yeah. And we, we, I will say that most most of us are are human beings also, and we care about the work that we do. Of course. And, um, And we know what we're getting into. So, so this is part of what this is part of what comes with the job. We're going right. to have some patients that are going to be more anxious. Yes, it can take some more time. Yes, it can be challenging, but that's that's what we're here to do. Right. Yeah. So again, because I come from the fertility world and do a lot of support groups weekly around uh, pregnancy after fertility, a common question that we get, and I would love your opinion on this because what I've seen, it varies by doctor, but if somebody has gone through IVF, do you feel that it's necessary to take a, have a, pl- a planned 40-week, I mean, I'm sorry, 39-week delivery because they've gone through IVF? Or do you think, no, it's as long as they're healthy, you know, then by yeah. the time they get to you, it's all like business as usual. Yeah, it's not. It's not the IVF to me that's more the concern. It's more the age. Mm-hmm. So if you're 40 and over, then yes, the data is pretty clear that stillbirth starts to go up. And after that, we recommend induction at 39 weeks, both because of the increased risk of stillbirth and the and quite frankly, the opportunities to get pregnant again just greatly diminish when you're over 40. And it's really important, you know, you want to take home a live baby. So um, over 40, yes, but IVF in and of itself, not necessarily. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I don't know. I don't know why doctors are still kind of telling patients yeah. that. Yeah. It's not, not necessary. Mm-mm. And so what is that correlation between over 40 and stillbirth? We don't know exactly what causes it, but just uh, pretty much any any pregnancy issue or complication that you can think of, it increases as we age. age. So it's just the reality of as as women get older, they are at an increased risk for pregnancy issues. Now that doesn't mean I want to be clear that that doesn't mean that things are likely to happen, because in fact they're actually not likely to happen. Most women who give birth over forty have do so without complications, but there is an increased risk compared to if you're younger. And having had three babies over 40, I will mm-hmm. say you are highly monitored for the most part. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. that also can give you some peace of mind. You know, 
I think I saw more doctors in, you know, those last (laughs) few weeks than, you know, it's like my full-time job. Right, right. But it's also so important, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I, it gives you that sense of calm to know you are being monitored every other day. Your fluids are being monitored every other day. Things can change super rapidly. So you Mm -hmm. need to make sure that you adhere to what your doctor tells you you should be doing, whether you have you know, you just, you're completely healthy, but your age happens to be over 40 or you have some small kind of nuances that need to be watched. But it really is amazing that we have the technology mm-hmm. now, I think that we can monitor the way that we do and, and bring more healthy babies and live births for mama and baby. Now, um, you know, that being said, I know there was a big research that published this year on the um, maternal death rates in the U.S., which still blows my mind that, mm-hmm. you know, we are 2023 and this is mm-hmm. still happening. Yep. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite frankly, it's embarrassing that, you know, we're one of the wealthiest countries in the world and maternal death rates actually are increasing for everybody, more so for Black women and uh, women of color in general. But it's really across the board that more women are dying. And it depends on the racial and ethnic group for uh, white women, the increases has been from mental health and from suicide. Mm -hmm. So it, it, you know, it just speaks to the fact that despite you know, I don't want to get into a political debate here, but despite the fact that we try to say that, oh, we, we, you know, we care so much about moms and babies and wanting to give them the best start, our actions do not confirm that. that. So things like making sure people have health insurance before they get pregnant so that they can access a doctor and they can access care and they can do so affordably so they can get into the best uh, shape that they can. And then looking at things like a holistic approach to our health, like environmental factors, like work factors, trying to decrease stress, all of those things play into um, how pregnancy outcomes unfold, making sure people have access to healthy foods um, and and ways that they can move their bodies and and things like that and supporting that in their day-to-day lives. A big, big one is inter-pregnancy care. So like we almost, it used to be that uh, for some insurance, like if you had Medicaid, which is insurance for pregnancy, just related to pregnancies, typically for low income people, which funds about 40% of births in the US, it used to run out as six weeks postpartum. And that's like completely inadequate. So really extending insurance coverage in between pregnancies so you can stay healthy in between pregnancies and making sure you have um, access to care. And then of course, the things like childcare options that are affordable (laughs) and, you know, all of these things, mental health options that are affordable, all of these things play into why women are dying surrounding pregnancy within that first year after pregnancy. And I, and I'll say that it can feel really feel overwhelming. Honestly, it's like, Oh my God, we have so many things to do, but I firmly believe that if we each pick our own little piece of something to work on and we all work on it and keep speaking about our part and chipping at it, chipping at it, we really can make a difference, but, but we have to keep talking about it and, and making, um, you know, efforts to make change. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I think just supporting the women around us that are having babies and are pregnant 
to understand that, as we were saying, it is a really big deal and it is, I don't want to say it's dangerous, but there are complications that can come Mm -hmm. up. And I Mm -hmm. think for so many years, you know, our, my mom had five kids, you know, easily and we just didn't really think anything of it. And now it's kind of starting to be more, have more awareness that Mm -hmm. there are dangers that can happen. It is, you cannot be very flippant about you know, having a baby or pregnancy or postpartum or any of these things. And so support the women that are around you and know that there are so many aspects that you may or may not know that they're going through that they need support on. And so many cultures around the world really uphold the women in such high regard within the family when they have babies and oh, well, take care yes. of them I mean, for yes. months and yes, yes. just like push them out and like get yes. back to work. And, yes. Yes. You know. um, take care of women from like bring everything, do the things, or even like paid leave. Yeah. Uh, the Americans- For a year. If for a year. Somebody told me like in Canada and other places, I'm like, are you serious? And your job is guaranteed. Like they can't take your job away from you. Right. So that just that just shows a more societal approach to supporting the whole family and how right. supporting a, a mom and women supports the society actually. Right. Uh, right. And we, we're just not there yet. Yeah. So create your own tribe within your Mm -hmm. area and your Mm -hmm. friends and family and really support them and hold them up in that time because as common as it is to have babies and as much as support that we have, we need more. Mm -hmm. And it can start with the community around you. So thank you so much, Dr. Nicole, for being here. Where can people find you? Yeah. So uh, my Favorite place to connect with people is on Instagram. I'm there at Dr. Nicole Rankins. And do please check out my podcast. It's called All About Pregnancy and Birth. I share birth stories on the podcast. I interview guests. I talk about topics. And uh, it's been downloaded, I can't believe this, almost 2 million times. Amazing. I know. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. So do check that out. Uh, And again, like I said, find me on Instagram. Oh, my website is drnicolerankins.com. Lots of free, great stuff there. Awesome. And where are you physically located for anybody who might be local to you? I am in Richmond, Virginia. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here and educating us on all the things. And we really appreciate your time. Thank Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.